0: Financial inclusion is at the top of the agenda for emerging economies, but banks in the West are actively disconnecting from some of these regions, putting further development at risk. Joining me is Tom Golding from financial crime compliance experts, Acuity. This de-risking is an unintended consequence of some very important regulations around money laundering and terrorism financing. What's gone wrong?
1: Well, I think it would be unfair to say de-risking decisions were based solely on those regulations you mentioned. I think there are many factors that come into play why banks would make certain decisions uh, to remove either products or whole services from regions. But the top two are going to be around commercial viability, are they doing good business within that region? And the second side really is their risk appetite of conducting that type of business within that region. But if we look at the actual commercial viability, clearly the cost of complying with international regulations does have an impact on that. Certain jurisdictions, certain products, the actual obligations are heavier. And therefore, the cost of actually complying is going to be much larger, reducing that profitability side.
0: Give me a sense of those costs. What is the weight of responsibility on compliance officers' shoulders at the moment?
1: Well, compliance officers sit in a very challenging position. You know, they've got to do two things. They've got to protect the reputation of their bank but they've also got to make sure that good business is still being done. Regulation itself is changing and there's an extra level of detail they're going to have to adhere to around things like know your customer. So if I'm looking at trade finance, for example, I might be underwriting a financial transaction that's looking at export of vehicles into a certain region. I've got to understand all of the regulatory obligations that adhere to that type of activity, such as dual-use goods where Goods are used either for civilian or military purposes, or are they open to export controls? Are any of the parties uh, behind that uh, sanctioned or heightened risk? Do I know the counterparties behind that trade? You know, and that's just one example. If I'm doing a high volume of that, I've got to be able to understand all of that information be able to feel confident that that is a uh, a trade that I'm underwriting that actually represents good business and doesn't harm the reputation of the bank.
0: This de-risking, what actually is the effect on the ground for businesses and for people? So if you're a
1: regional bank within a country that's wanting to be able to offer to its clients things such as microfinancing or products that are all about financial inclusion, then that bank also has to have access to the international financial banking systems. You know, we need fast, efficient uh, financial services to conduct that activity. And if we pull back from some of those, then it's gonna be harder for people to get access to those products. And therefore, as a regional bank, you know, they've got to be able to demonstrate that they've got those effective controls in place. That actually, the due diligence they're conducting on their own clients is a standard that's recognised by the other banks in that chain. Because if it's not, People won't have that trust or confidence, and therefore they will start to pull back and say, my risk is too high, I don't think this is business I want to do, therefore I look somewhere else.
0: What's the solution? How can regional banks demonstrate
1: the high levels
0: of compliance necessary?
1: Many different ways. I mean, one very big area, which is harder to prove, is around the culture. Have you got the right compliance culture in place? So that's looking at the maturity of your compliance function, the size of your function, looking at your policies. You know, what what regulations are you following? How have you updated those? I'm also going to be looking at the systems and controls you actually have in place. It's about access to, you know, good automated systems that are looking at things like screening of every transaction, looking at heightened risk individuals, looking for risk, so you're not passing on that risk. If you've got a very manual operation, not only are you going to introduce kind of human error, But also, there are individuals that might be compromised in your operation. So again, as a a bank looking to do a correspondent relationship with you, I'm going to make a risk assessment on all of those factors to say, actually, this bank has got those in place, got a good culture. I think the risk is lower from that. We've worked with clients in both Angola and Myanmar who are trying to say, we understand, a bank has to get that confidence. And therefore, we have got to demonstrate that through Things like the systems, our approach, our our policies in place, and really an effective regime that verifies and validates that what I'm passing through to the other banks is something they can use and they can do their own due diligence on. We've moved past the kind of tick box compliance and that area of culture and understanding that kind of spirit of what we're trying to achieve is, is very important. Tom, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for watching. You can find
0: out more about challenges to financial inclusion at worldfinance.com. And please subscribe for more risk management news, as well as all the latest insights from World Finance.